I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. I'm Harshad. I work as a research analyst at Takeshila Institution. Today, as our guest, we have Priyal. She works with me as a research analyst at Takeshila. So, Priyal, how are you? I'm doing good, Harshad. So good to be here. Yeah. So this is the second part of our two-part series. This is a continuation of a, a podcast we did on Monday last week. In that, we talked about how is primary healthcare important, why we should fund primary healthcare, and we started talking about. Funding healthcare. In this podcast, right. we try to cover how should we do that, and what is the best way of doing that. So the discussion is sort of like based on and talks a lot about the latest Lancet report on financing primary healthcare. So Priyan, continuing with our previous talk, what do you think exactly are the challenges when we talk about funding primary healthcare? Uh, right. So, like, I think continuing with the last podcast, right, we spoke about like primary healthcare and stuff. And essentially, we spoke a lot about why uh, funding is essential to improving the, you know, you remember we spoke about the circle, right? There's not enough yeah. people who are coming in there and then sort of like because of which there is not enough funding and because there's not enough funding, people don't essentially come there anymore. It's sort of like running around the same portion of the problem. I think one of the problem with the, or the challenges in funding for the healthcare is like limited tax revenues also like also i remember reading that um, just because there is a lot of budget allocated to primary budget allocated does not necessarily mean that there is enough money allocated for health a lot of times health doesn't take a first priority in a lot of countries and which puts like funding for healthcare at like backseat right countries might prioritize different things like military defense and technology and all of that at the forefront which is why a lot of times health takes a backseat and that is what we've seen during covid a lot of countries were who were struggling to battle with covid or coming up with you know testing and contact tracing and everything you knew that health was not the priority till then and i think one another one of the challenges that i feel is that there is excessive reliance on out of pocket spending so a lot of people have to you know have to pay extra even for like their medicines and like you know extra services and everything so i think these are some of the challenges that i personally find in like you know funding for health and stuff one thing i would like to add is donor funding that is right. basically if you look at large foundations large international foundations who are funding a lot of projects for instance the bill and melinda gates foundation hmm. basically bankrolled a lot of at least the initial stages of the polio elimination right. effort in the country so they are very fragmented and they depend they do not depend on the priorities of the government they are dependent on donor priorities and donors sort of like donors wins and wishes you, right. you the government cannot control them and furthermore what we want is shifting of the funds from 
being disease specific to more focused on primary healthcare right, right. functions. Usually donor funding says whoever who's the donor or whatever the donor is getting the whatever the organization whoever whomsoever the organization is getting funds from, they need to what perception is that that they need to see that we have reduced polio by fifty percent, that we have treated malaria from this poor third world country and sort of like those things. Primary healthcare is not that shiny thing you can wave around and be sort of like, oh yes, this is good. And I liked how you talked about how more government funding does not necessarily mean greater allocation to health because unless the political situation in the country, unless there's an intent, more government or more tax revenue or more funds does not translate it to more sort of like for yeah, I mean, I mean, what I was trying to say was also that political will is important, right? I mean, if there is no political will, then obviously healthcare won't be prioritized because at the end of the day, what happens is primary healthcare should take a front seat because that is a place where people generally go for in the beginning. And as long as primary healthcare is focused on, I think, disease prevention and everything, you're you're catching the disease at the earlier stage and preventing excessive cost towards the end. Yeah, so yeah, that's the point. You catch it as early as possible, and you basically try to prevent it, hmm. not make it happen. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Obviously, uh, increased government revenue or increased government budget does not necessarily translate into more money for health. But you also have to look at ways that how you can increase the government budget so that it translates to, so that the government can allocate more to health. You right. have to increase overall. So the best way to do that is economic growth. But when economic growth is like not a short-term solution or is not as much as possible as you would like it to be. So the second sort of like the second way is that you increase the overall tax revenue and everything. But right. you can also do it by putting taxes on cigarettes, putting taxes on drinks with sugar. You can do it by increasing taxes on alcohol. All that tax can be used to finance budget. But what opposition I have seen to this is that usually the Ministry of Finance or some auditing body does not want certain funds that is collected from certain places to be earmarked for one sort of like one area only so that for instance, they don't want funds to be tied up. For instance, if there are if there is a health tax on cigarettes, they don't want that money to be permanently tied up to maybe private healthcare or sort of like cancer prevention or something. Right, right, right. They want, they want the flexibility and they try to fight this process. But this is an important step. And obviously, it's a negotiation between all the different departments, intra-government, between the society, the people, the government. And to a certain extent, not to a certain extent in health, to a lot of extent, the international community at large. Right. And you can also have some sort of social health insurance or social health tax in which every person may be living or earning in that area contributes a certain amount to his health insurance or to the public health infrastructure. And after he like enrolls in, he gets to use that infrastructure that is also one way that would be obviously it should be progressive in nature that the ones who cannot pay are not made to pay and the ones who can pay are made to but it's yeah it's uh, as i said earlier that it's a negotiation between departments between 
society between people at large. Hmm. Yeah. Also, another thing is that you have to understand that even if you're spending on health, right, a lot of times there are so many inefficiencies like spending on health should translate, should also translate to the result of it, right, in the sense. If you are putting this much money, you have to make sure that there are no leakages in the system. You have to make sure that, you know, wherever you're spending on, if you're spending on a particular disease prevention or something, the result should should be there. And which is why I think, like you said, right, donor funding seems to focus more on that. Whereas, like, for example, when I spoke about out-of-pocket expenditure and everything, one of the ways that, you know, you can prevent that is ma- by making sure that you know, medicines, etc. are also available in the primary primary health, like healthcare center or like in the first line of hospitals that people go to. Because if you're redirecting them to medical store where they have to pay extra for the medicines, then obviously they're not going to go there. Yeah, obviously one of the main, a very important team of financing or increasing primary health funding should be like drastically reducing out-of-pocket expenditure. So paper I read like a few weeks back and what I've seen is people after a lot of times advocate for a small user fee even at government facilities. So okay. for instance if you go to a large tertiary hospital, people people that is people administrators and uh, even people that work in, they advocate for maybe a small 1 rupee, 5 rupee fee so that what they call is inefficient use of OPD services mm-hmm. that do not want anybody who is walking by and who does not need the hospital facilities or maybe, uh, for instance, I, I go with my mother and I, I want to get her checked out. So uh, when I go there, I'm like, oh, this is free. I should also get a prescription and I have a, some not so important and inefficient use of the facility. So they advocate that if you have a small user fee, these inefficiencies and these people who do not require require the facilities would not use it but this only translates to the poorest of the poor not being able to use and overall we don't want to decrease usage of facilities we, we do want to like increase efficiencies but we don't want to increase overall usage we want people to go for preventive screenings we want people if they feel they are a little sick if they feel that something not right and they should be able to like go walk into a clinic and Maybe, Get maybe we catch yeah. thing which would be like pretty, maybe it is fatal. Maybe we catch up some sort of a cancer or we catch some terminal disease, which was not showing itself in manifesting itself in a very obvious symptom. Right. So we have to reduce out-of-pocket spending and this includes user fees. And at least in big metro cities where the government hospitals have a lot of patients and where the staff and where administrators and everyone is overworked, they usually advocate for a, at least a small user fees to prevent what they call is inefficiencies in usage. Also, I think um, with primary health care, no, it should be very clear as to how the funding is allocated and where the funding is allocated, how much of it is allocated. Like in the sense, you don't need to, you know, sort of build a whole new center or uh, or a department for it. But whatever existing department is there in place in the country, just make sure that their their responsibilities are clear towards it, right? Like again, at the end of the day, what the government does and government's will is very important for for these things to happen. 
Yeah, so the, it is, yeah, that was a very nice way to put it. We don't need a new sort of a department, a primary healthcare department or a minister division. But we do want sort of maybe the National Health Mission or somebody taking responsibility for all of primary health center at all of primary health care. And we don't want people, we should know, the people who are doing the work should know what they're responsible and what their functions are. And it should be very clearly demarcated. and. Whoever has the responsibility should also ensure that PHCs like primary healthcare is prioritized. Right, right. Definitely. That is a very nice. To give a short summary, we don't want a new department. We don't want a fancy, shiny new department which somebody opens with a ribbon. We we just want existing departments to know what their responsibilities are. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, we were talking about, like, resources and I think also reducing the out-of-pocket expenditure and stuff, right? But what I also, uh, another thing that came to my mind was also that allocating resources to hospital is also like more politically appealing. We were talking about political will and at the end of the day, governments have to do something. And like, you know, we were also saying that uh, instead of having a new, a new department for primary healthcare, we should probably you know, make the responsibilities of the current people more clear and everything. And what I realized is that having a new department for it or having like a new hospital is always like more politically appealing, right? Because hospital is like a kind of like a highly visible symbol for health health system. And it is a place where, you know, extremely expensive and... Um, technologically forward thing forward equipments and all are there and they sort of employ a lot of like physicians and specialists and everything so a lot of times that seems like the most um you know and even they are placed at a they are placed at an urban setting where a lot of people who have access to you know, healthcare and everything will end up coming there. So in all of this, primary healthcare ends up taking the backseat. That's what I feel. Yeah, so everybody, basically the people employed at the hospital, the people who run the hospitals, they're more nearer to the power centers, the urban centers, and they have more influence and sort of like a higher professional status. And they usually have more, they're more, for the lack of a better word, politically connected as compared to the PHC workers. So right. they have a lot of influence on funding and who gets what. And see, obviously, everybody, every politician wants a new shiny machine installed as compared to maybe giving more paracetamol to the primary healthcare centers in yeah. the district. So it's always a new shiny thing. Right. But like, what, I agree with everything that you said. And I, I wanted to ask you, like, for example, now if we were to sort of look for allocations of resources to primary healthcare in itself, do you have any idea of how we can go about it? So what I liked about the commission's report, what I liked about the paper was how it like simplifies and tries to integrate a lot of aspects of pro- sort of like project management and how it tries to integrate them into healthcare and how it tries to relate that to primary healthcare. So it talks about basically three components of sort of like resource allocation and how we can increase resource allocation to primary healthcare. So there's the budget formulation Mm -hmm. in which you can increase or protect from decreasing. Like 
prevent other departments or the government for from snatching sort of like revenue and make sure that it gets uh, down to the users is like you form program specific budgets for instance you set up a program which says oh this is primary healthcare and you form a budget which is allocated to primary healthcare even if you have some sort of autonomy autonomous financial structure for instance the state i'm talking about the state as in the state within india right so right the state is allocating some money and is allowing the district to choose they have certain rules and regulations which state that for instance if you will put 10 rupees into primary healthcare then only we'll pay you uh, we'll reimburse you 5 rupees for that if you'll use that 10 rupees somewhere else we'll not reimburse you and there's also case of conditional grants so there are grants which are dependent on how you use them they're specified so those funds are earmarked for specific specific purposes and you can only use them for those specific purposes that those are not free funds those are ties tied as inputs to certain programs and certain visions and certain missions you can also change the way how budget execution goes you can so we have talked about how you can formulate a bet, better budget to allocate better and more money to primary healthcare you can also see how budget execution goes usually in india also there's a resource allocation formula where for instance for 10000 people you get this much money for 20000 people you get this much money mm-hmm. there's also a case of provider payments that how you pay the providers and how efficient that system is and how those incentives are based are you paying the provider per person or are you paying the provider per service or are you paying the provider lump sum money sort of to run the center for the holding this also contracting and monitoring you can see how you can contract specific services to specific people and you monitor them and uh, you can directly transfer funds to a specific facility so there are a lot of tools which can be used to better budget execution at the third and what i consider the most important point is that is service delivery that you should be very clear on what is the operational definition of phc what are the norms and standards how do you maintain the referral system how does a patient which shows up at a primary healthcare facility at a primary or interact with the primary healthcare worker is referred and is the referral appropriate why was the referral done was it done for reasons other than medical reasons was it done because of paucity of resources at the center and there's also gatekeeping we don't want people who don't require specialist or tertiary care to turn up at our tertiary centers we want to design a sort of a system where for instance in europe a lot of countries use a sort of gatekeeping in which if you are using the government's insurance plan sort of if you are in the public health insurance or some sort of social insurance and you show up to a specialist without a referral from your general practitioner or without your registered referral doctor the government does not reimburse your tertiary care expenses at least for the like the consultation and maybe some tests mm-hmm. so you have to take care of three things budget formulation budget execution and service delivery right that's actually you know comprehensive and a very detailed answer to like you know it's a very well thought out way uh, the lancet has also put out right but like before we move ahead harshit let's take a short break and uh, we will be right back mm-hmm. 
Hello and welcome back to the podcast where we're discussing about primary health cares and the financing of the primary health care in this episode. And Harshit, you spoke about like, you know, how, what the resource allocation tools were for primary health care and stuff. And in India also, we have a national health mission, which was created by the government of India to sort of, you know, look after the primary health care structure and stuff. And I think the grant mechanism was uh, was implemented, which initially the states were required to contribute 15% of the total funds. And later on, I think between 2016 to 2017, the required contribution increased to around 40%. And also like the government, central government conducting detailed reviews for understanding the plans for primary health care, as well as the budgets for primary health care was there. And also, you know, there was a performance-based component that was there, which increased from like 10% to 20% of the national health mission funding. And the conditions were also, I think, revised in 2018 and 2019. But due to like, you know, COVID-19, things have not fallen into place yet after the, uh, about the revision and stuff. But I think that was one of the good things that uh, I thought was uh, seen in the India's, uh, in India's health system. And uh, continuing with that, Hashid, I wanted to ask you is that what are the, like, you know, we talk about funding and all of that, right? But one of the important component is payment structure in primary healthcare. So how do we sort of address that and what are the ways we can sort of think about it? Yeah, so this make the payment, the method used for payment in sort of like financing PHCs and giving out resources to PHCs is quite important at the execution part because this is how you shape in incentives and this is how you try to align your policy, whatever you want to see, whatever change you want to see with respect to the sort of like the money you are putting in. So what people do, what governments do is what we call as a line item. So the payments are tied to inputs. So for instance, there is a line item in the budget. So it mm-hmm. says that 15,000 crores is allocated to Karnataka to run the primary health centers. So they are sort of like input-based. Everybody accounts for how many, how much budget they would need to pay their staff. The staff are usually on a fixed salary, sort of at least partially a fixed salary. And this is very important in hard-to-serve areas where you see that the staff leaving because of... And you cannot... Maybe in somewhere in far away mountainous areas or uh, a place with sparse population where you cannot tie the staff to a per person payment or sort of like you pay them a lump sum for all the people living as per population. So you need to provide them with a state income. And you also cannot make a very efficient use of resources because for instance, vaccines. So vaccines, at least the COVID vaccines which you have were coming in one while at 10 injections. So in places far-flung areas or where people were sort of like really uh, not very willing to, you cannot like turn people away that, sorry, we don't have 10 people registered or there are not 10 people right now here. You'll have to make do with some kind of wastage and some kind of like resource. You cannot be very efficient with resources. And light items are what are usually used, but they are very important in areas like sort of like the examples I gave and basically difficult areas. So there's the next type of payment is fee for service payment. 
in which the provider uh, sort of like receives a payment for a service rendered. So the problem with this type of payment is for sort of like a service which is more specialized, the provider gets more resources and more money. So they do not want to prioritize preventive care. So it can be used, but it should not be used for at least primary healthcare. It should be used for specialized care because we do want to incentivize high quality specialized care, but we do not want that to be done at the cost of primary healthcare. So the third one is population-based payment, which the report refers to as capitation, which gives a fixed amount of money to the provider. And to be clear, when I refer, uh, when I say the provider, it usually means the maybe the primary healthcare center as a whole, or it can also mean like the doctor, a family the doctor, or like or like yeah, yeah, yeah okay. any healthcare provider. Any, any provider, maybe, or a, right. like a bunch of provider, group of providers which are providing mm-hmm. services. Yeah. But I was talking about population-based payment. So what, and the commission like advocate for this and the commission refers to this as capitation payments. So they give a fixed amount of money per person for maybe a fixed amount of time. And that is paid in advance to deliver a fixed amount of and a defined set of services. Right. For instance, I'll give you 1,000 rupees to provide like preventive checkups to one person for an year. So that is what is called as population-based payment. So this is what usually helps and incentivize providers to attract more patient, contain cost. But without proper monitoring, this can also go sort of like haywire. We don't want the the provider to only be con- to only concentrate on cutting cost at the cost of like care patient care. So the commission recommend what it calls the blended capitation. So what it says is they provide a budget payment to cover unavoidable cost, particularly low population or hard to serve areas. Some fee for service that is service that is fee fixed for service for high priorities or high risk uh, areas. And everything else is covered under capitation. Also, a little bit of performance-based incentive. So that is like if you are, if we think about a normal area, a normal district, which is neither low population nor hard to serve, and has sort of does not have a very high priority. Sort of like there is no endemic going on. There is no. It is not very particular. Very vulnerable to maybe malaria. May very vulnerable to maybe some sort of an illness which is particular to that. So that is covered under capitation and some sort of incentives and maybe so the base becomes capitation and everything else. So you cover the corner with the other payments, but most part is paid via capitation. Right. So like uh, since you've mentioned about the capitation and this seems quite interesting, Harshit, but now if we were to implement it in India, how would you sort of like go about recommending it? So what a lot of literature recommends and what seems to be working in a lot of places which are sort of like shifted to a capitation-based system and were not so developed in not so developed places. The first step is you have to establish the baseline sort of like a payment system, a baseline infrastructure where you define how the fees is paid, how are incentives made, that this should be fairly transparent and after 
some debate and some input from all stakeholders and experts. And parameters should be clearly defined. The second thing is you have to similarly define the PHC package. What is covered, what is partially covered, what is not covered at all, what we think is essential and is covered, what we aspire to cover maybe sometime later. So it should be very clearly defined that what the government will pay for or what the person does not have to pay for and what he or she will have to pay for. The third is you'll have to manage enrollment. That is who is in and who is out, who is covered under the population and who is not. Do you cover migrants? Do you cover people who don't live in that state or are not permanent residents? Do you cover tourists? Do you only cover certain households who are who earn less than maybe 10 lakhs a year? But uh, do you cover everyone? Or if you cover everyone, do they pay? So, for instance, is there a progressive payment? Does everybody earning somewhere between 10 to 20 lakh pays 50%? Does everybody earn who earns more than 25 lakhs pays everything? Or and everybody earning less than 10 doesn't? So, this is all obviously I'm making these numbers up and these have to be debated. And I'm not very confident on I cannot define these numbers, I'll leave them to experts, but that was only an example that how you define them. So, you'll have to manage enrollment and you'll have to also provide different payments for different people. You'll have to manage the risk. You cannot provide the provider 1000 rupees for a healthy 25 year old female and you cannot provide the provider 1000 rupees for somebody who is 70 because the provider will incur a lot of cost taking care of the 75 year old. So you'll have to provide him more money so that he can that. And after everything else, uh, we have to make sure that out-of-pocket expenditure is reduced by a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think in India, at least, you know, out-of-pocket expenditure needs to be reduced. And I think I mentioned this earlier, especially like I think with medicines end up becoming one of the major out-of-pocket expenditure, right? If like these medicines are made sure that they're available in in the primary healthcare center, or in the with the provider essentially to make sure that people do not have to go out of their way to get their medicines. That is one of the ways that that can be reduced. And also like make sure the salaries of the providers come to them on time and good salaries are provided so that extra payment in terms of like, you know, doctor fees or everything can be eliminated. I think that is another way that we can think of reducing the out-of-pocket expenditure. One more, I think, way is also to sort of eliminate the user fees. You know, these are the sort of three things that that automatically immediately come to my head when we are speaking about out-of-pocket expenditures. One more thing, Bill, I I would like to add is what we call in better words, informal payment. We want the salary to be like at least above a certain minimum level. Yeah. For all healthcare workers and for everybody who's providing this so that they don't resort to take rent tips and informal payments and the patient does not have to like pay out of his pocket and yeah so we also have to eliminate those that seems to be a pretty thoughtful expenditure in the people's pocket definitely so further I would like to talk about some of the recommendations the commission gives like sort of a conclusionary recommendation. The first recommendation that the commission talks about is that establishing people-centered financing arrangement. It says that public resources should provide the core of PHC funding 
pooled funds should cover PHC. Pooled fund is that cross divisions and cross departments and private funds also. Resources should be allocated equitably and they should be, the system should be devised as such that they should reach the frontline providers and not, not be doubled down and prone to leakages and the frontline provider is still in positive funds. And capitation at core, a capitation dirt, a blended mechanism with capitation at score. That is the first recommendation. Right. Also, I think they also talk about how this entire, they should take a whole of a government approach and sort of like spending better on P- in PHC. Because, you know, just spending more doesn't mean you're doing good, right? You also have to spend more while also doing better. So one of the key things that Lancer talks about is the fact that um, a lot of key actors and st- stakeholders should be involved in sort of designing and also implementing people-centered PHC financing reforms. And basically, though it differs from, you know, it all depends on the national context, right? What is important to the nation and what are the issues that you're going to tackle with in the primary healthcare? And the Ministry of Health should obviously prioritize primary healthcare and also sort of make sure that there are enough, um, you know, you are you have political strategies in place to to support the expansion and improving the primary health care, primary health care in itself. And they also, you know, even to increase the funding, you have to make sure that there is proper technical ex- expertise to take the case of more funding of primary health care. And also the Ministry of Finance should enable the mobilization of proper and suffi- sufficient revenue to adequately, you know, finance the people-centered primary health care, which obviously is defined based on the nation and its and what it wants to cater to. I think that was the second recommendation that they talk about. Yeah, one aspect, one part which I really liked and which I've read like all across literature is that you should plot a sort of like a pathway in which you include everybody. And there's obviously a technical path. And there's also a path which identify how you'll engage, what would be the political engagement, how will you manage stakeholders, how the PHC will be funded uh, at a national, subnational, global level, how will uh, you recognize political, economic and social conditions, how will you mitigate, manage, take advantage of them. And it also, there's an important thing that unless there is uh, political will and there's you can you are able to manage your manage expectations from stakeholders and manage them and you are able to sort of like get funds and get sort of focus to primary healthcare you won't be able to like make at the very least basic facilities av- uh, available to everyone right right also i think another thing is that global agencies like who or like global health expenditure database etc should Reform the ways in which, like, you know, the expenditure data for primary health care is collected or classified as well as is reported. Because basically what Lancet is recommending is that there needs to be a new memorandum item in place on PHC, which that it should define what PHC is and it should be included in countries' annual reporting of health expenditure to World Health Organization or the Global Health Expenditure Database. While that is happening in the meantime, the current reporting should be adapted to be sort of based on the cross-classification of functions and the providers. So, and basically this will provide a more specific and useful data 
by allowing for differentiation between like, you know, hospitals and uh, or initial providers and also enable an proper and operational definition of PHC based on like the service delivery platform. But most importantly, I think each country should sort of establish what a, what should clearly define what PHC is, what have and have a clear definition of primary healthcare expenditure that is compatible with how its health system organizes its services. And then it can be used to, then it can use this definition to sort of track the spending over the time to sort of monitor the progress. Yeah, that is a very, I think, a very important part that people often ignore that unless you have, you have a global sort of like a standard, there should be obviously local flexibility, but a global standard for reporting data and everything else and global definition. So at least you could compare There's across some, countries. Yeah, also there's some accountability, right, at the end of the day. That, okay, fine, you are so going to sort of report it to this particular agency that will make sure that your expenditure is there as well as the services that you are spending on is provided at a proper level, that kind of a thing. So I feel like having a global sort of a thing would be helpful there. It's sort of a transparent thing in which maybe I don't think, uh, for instance, uh, the government of India is accountable to WHO as such. But yeah, but uh, as such for funds and technical expertise and there's international pressure. And if you're reporting in a transparent way in which the normal public can compare to other people, do other places and across time, and there's a transparent definition and everything else. So that makes it much easier to compare and to put pressure and check for results. Right, right. Definitely. So Priel, that was a very good discussion we had. Albert, I think a little longer than what we usually do is, but it was very fun. Yeah, so Priel, would you like to add something before we include this? Though, I think one of the things I would like to say is that all our knowledge about financing and everything, we are not finance majors. We we just like two people interested in primary healthcare or even healthcare in general and whatever we've, all our knowledge has been through reading. So uh, definitely please don't take everything we say as very concrete, uh, this thing, but please do ponder upon it. Uh, that's what actually I wanted to say. Thank you so much, Priel, for being here. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in to give the first part a listen it, the introduction to this and basically we discuss primary healthcare it's important that we start discussing finances thank you Harshit thank you if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network you can tune into them on the IVM podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila INST or our website takshashila.org.in.